Hi, and welcome to the River of Light Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. Ready for the Word this morning? Amen. Isaiah 59. We're going to go old school today. And... um, and we are going to talk about being light. This is a standalone message that uh, I want to bring out today. God has put this message in my heart. Uh, a few months ago on a Tuesday night prayer, like Melinda was talking, we meet here on Tuesday nights at 6.30 for prayer that those that can make it out. And God put into my heart Isaiah 60, arise and shine for your light has come. And he told me this. He says, arise and shine, Eddie, for your time to shine has come. It really spoke to my heart. I shared it with our group there that night, and uh, one of our sisters in the Lord, uh, Sister Crystal, began to just say, Pastor Reddy, God has shared with me while we were praying the scripture in Matthew where it says that those that sat in darkness has seen a great light. And uh, it was that night God confirmed his word, and so I knew that this is something that God was wanting for me to share with all of us, and that is this, that our time is now. And I don't know, we're all going through things, we all have issues in our family and in our personal life, but listen, don't let those distract us from our number one call in life, and that is to let our light shine and be called of God. And God just has a way of when we do his work and we do his business, that he blesses us with, with our needs. And, and I've just seen that done. And, I, and this is just on my heart today. Isaiah, we're going to get to Isaiah 60, but I want to set a context here in Isaiah 59 uh, this morning. And this is, very, this is a very dark time uh, in Israel's history that Isaiah was prophesying about. He was foretelling about a futuristic world. And this is how he describes it. We're just going to jump in in verse 14. And it says, Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street. And morality, that word equity means morality. Morality cannot enter. So truth Fails, And he who departs from evil, he makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. And so he saw that there was no man, and he wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his own arm brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garment of vengeance for clothing and was clad with a zeal as a coat. In other words, God, he responded. He got dressed in full military suit. And uh, he, he went against the enemy. He, he said, I'm going to do this myself. And he just got dressed for battle. He's portrayed as a warrior here. Drop down to chapter 60, verse 1. And this is our scripture. Arise and shine. For your light, look what he said, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. Deep darkness over the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. I want to preach to you this morning a message entitled, Arise and shine. 
Arise and shine. Father, I know that this is a prophetic word that you want delivered to your people today, even to us here in Belleville at River of Life. Father, you have called us for such a time as this. This is the season that we are in. Father, help us not to get distracted by the world and the things going on around us. But, Father, to obey your command, Lord, and and to trust in you that you are going to go with us. And for us to arise to the occasion, to arise and shine. Because your glory is upon us. Today, I pray and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. While we're standing, we love to do this from time to time and say our mission statement. Let's do that again today. If, you don't, if you're new to River of Life or listen to this message on the podcast, this is our mission statement. It's five sentences. I encourage everyone to memorize it because everyone says, what's my calling in life? What's my calling? We all have different assignments, but this is really everyone's calling right here. Are you ready? Let's say it. I am the church. I am called to represent Christ and influence others. I am called to make a difference. Come on. Amen. Give somebody a high five and say, you are the church and be seated today. You are the church. I love that. I love that. Wearing that shirt the other day that we have that t-shirt made. And by the way, if you want one of those shirts, they're out at the information table and people always look at the back, and what does that say? And, and it's just such a testimony. And people say, man, I really, really like that. I said, you should. Amen. That's what you're called to do. That's what you're called to do. How I many know this is not, we're here in the church, but this is not the church. You're the church. You're the church. We're the church. This um, scripture, uh, this portion of scripture can be broken up into three parts. The setting, the searching, and the sending. Um, but I want you to know that this was a prophetic word that was um, given for Israel to predict the future for Israel, but it also contains messianic prophecies and eschatological prophecies, two big words, which simply means that it's going to be predicting how the scene would look on earth right before the coming of the Lord. Did you hear me? He's describing, I want, when, we, when I bring this out to you today, I want you to remember Isaiah wrote this 4,000 years ago. And he saw a time on planet earth that it would be covered in deep darkness. And that people, men and women, would be sitting in deep darkness. And it's not talking about a power outage. How many know he's talking about the spiritual climate of the world? That he predicted that it would be exactly what we are seeing here today. And the history of God's people have been up and down. We've seen great revivals and we go right back into, into deep darkness. But he also tells us... How, how light will impact the darkness. And that's what I wanted to give you today is three ways that light impacts darkness according to the scriptures. And you and I are called to be that light. You with me this morning? Come on. I even wore these pants to get you up and get you woken up this morning. Amen. If Joseph had a coat of many colors and he was favored of God. Come on, somebody. I got... So you got to stay awake. Forget about the barbecue later. This is a word, I'm telling you, this is a powerful word that can change your life uh, forever. But I want you to look. First, he starts with the setting, and it's a, it's a very dark setting. He said in verse 14 that there's going to be no justice. Just seems to be those that deserve 
to be uh, penalized, they go free. And the ones that seem to be innocent, they go penalized. There's going to be no justice. It's going to be corruption in the justice system. How many think that's uh, here today? He says again, watch this, righteousness stands afar off. In other words, righteousness is there, but it stands off to the side. It stands silent. It's there, but it stands silent. What are the word? Someone said the only thing needed for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. In other words, righteousness will be on the earth when this deep darkness is there, but it's going to stand silent. It won't want to get involved. It won't want to say nothing. It won't even share something that's righteous on Facebook. It's afraid it may like it and someone might see that they liked it and maybe uh, uh, you know, have a target on their back. And so the righteousness will be in the land, but it'll be silent. It'll be quiet. It'll stand off to the side just shaking its head going, man, this is a messed up world. Look how dark it is. Come on. Then look what he said. This one here just devastates me. Truth has fallen in the streets. Look at Isaiah. Isaiah says truth is there, but it has fallen in the streets. In the word, in the Hebrew, it means to be a staggering because of lack of support. It means that it's not going to have a firm absolute. And since you have no absolutes, morality cannot enter. In other words, you're going to have moral relativism. He said moral relativism will be on the earth. In other words, what is right for you may be right for you, but it may not be right for me. Now, that may be okay if you're choosing what kind of pants to wear or what to barbecue on Memorial Day. But on the word of God, let me just tell you, we have got some absolutes that are in the Bible. I don't think you're awake and ready for this yet this morning. There are some absolutes that are in the Bible. Jesus is the only way. I, it's not that he is being exclusive. He is being specific. Jesus is the only way because Jesus is the only one that died for you. He's the only one that died for you, and he's the only one that, that he proved that he was the son of God because he rose from the dead. Everybody, all the other religions are great. They may be nice people and very kind and very generous, but you have to realize that only by the blood of Jesus can your sins be washed clean and be forgiven. That is an absolute truth. Come on. Do you believe that? He says there's going to be a time when people will believe that. There will be a time, and so because there is no absolutes, there's going to be no morality. Truth is there, but it's staggering in the streets because there's no absolute. And it falls and it fails. He says that it fails. That's amazing. How many know we're called to prop truth up? How many know we're called to be truth? Remember when Jesus stood in front of Pilate and he says to him what, that he is the truth. And Pilate says, what is truth? I think we got a culture today of people that are looking and wondering, what is the truth? They're wanting to know, what is the truth? And that's where we are called to arise and shine. I said, we're called to arise and shine. Look at verse 15. Those that turn away from evil will become prey. Those that don't go with the flow, those that say, you know what, I'm going to stand for purity. I'm going to stand for righteousness. I don't want to go on Temptation Island. I don't want to live my life like that. I want, I want to live for Christ. The Bible says 4,000 years ago that if you do that, you will become the target for culture. Ain't this an outdated, irrelevant, made-up book written by some old guy that had no idea what was happening? Think about this. 
As my dad says, put a rubber band on your head and snap out of it. Come on, somebody. <laughs> truth. Someone say truth. truth. If you turn away from the crowd, Isaiah said, you will begin to be the target. You will be as prey. But I got some good news for you today. The darker it gets, the brighter the light shines. Come on, somebody. I said, the darker it gets, the brighter the light shines. God says, I'm not intimidated by the darkness. I'm not afraid of the darkness. Come on, bring me into the darkest place of your life. Bring me into the darkest area of your past. Bring me into that point that hurts you and that you're ashamed of and that you're fearful. Bring me to that place and I'm going to light it up with my glory. I'm going to light it up with my glory. I'm going to light it up with my presence. Come on, I ain't afraid of no darkness. Why? Why? Because number one, light dispels darkness. This is just my introduction. I'm getting fired up on this Memorial Weekend. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about light. I love it. Light. Light dispels darkness. We all know that. It's common science. But God has told it. What does dispels mean? I had to ask Siri. I know what I meant, but I always go, like every good man of God goes and does his research. He asks Siri. Amen. She says, she says, dispels means to disappear. Why don't we sing a song around here? Jesus, Jesus. <clears throat> Sorry, it's not my key. You, you make the darkness tremble, right? Jesus, just his name. Jesus, come on, try to If you could sing better, you sing it. You make the darkness. No, you know what I'm talking about? That's so true. The name of Jesus. Is just in the atmosphere, in the spiritual world. When you say the name Jesus, can I tell you that it's like a shockwave that goes into the spiritual world. it's, It's like just, listen, there are radio waves in this room right now. Just because I don't see them don't mean it's not there. But if I got a radio up here, you remember a radio? And begin to pull that antenna out and get, and get positioned in the right place. Come on, somebody. If you put that antenna at the right place and then you turn that dial right into the right place, you can hone in on what's already there and that it's already prevalent. You just got to hone in with what God is doing. Then all of a sudden you get a sound. I'm preaching this morning. That's the same way with the Spirit. What's God doing in my life? Man, get off the AM. You're on a totally wrong frequency. Get on the FM and tune into what God wants to do in your life. Come on. I am the church. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Light dispels darkness. But you know, the Bible says where revival must start, it must first start in the house of God. Revival must start in the house of God. And it doesn't mean the structure at 870 Savage Road. It means you are the temple of God. He says, he don't say, he don't say uh, the church of Jesus Christ or the Catholic church or the Methodist church or whatever church and you church and me church. He didn't say religion. He said you arise and shine. You, you that carry the presence of God. You arise and shine. He didn't say that the light would descend. He said the light would ascend. It's supposed to be in us already. What am I saying? I'm saying we first got to get the darkness out of our lives if we're going to see the darkness get out of our culture. You got quiet on that one. So we we need to realize that light dispels darkness. How do you get rid of the darkness when you spend time with Jesus? Spending time with Jesus drives out the darkness out of your life. 
it, it will totally just get it out of your life. When the people of God saw great revivals throughout our history, and it always came on the darkest times of history. The children of Israel were slaves for 400 years. It was the darkest time of ever. They were taking the Hebrew male children. If they were a male, they were throwing them into the Nile River. They were executing children. And it, was just, it was just devastating. And it was in that climate that God appeared to Moses in a fiery burning bush and said, Moses, I've had enough. Now it's time for you to arise and shine. Go into Pharaoh's palace and tell him, let my people go. But you notice Moses had to have an encounter with God. I said Moses had to have an encounter with God. Go throughout the Bible. Move over to Israel. Dove into the darkest time in his history. And a young king named Josiah, only eight years old. The Bible says that his servants were cleaning out the temple. And they discovered the book of the law. They found a Bible. And they brought a Bible to Josiah, and he was the king at eight years old, and he began to have him read it to him. And he began to find out, this is why my life is going so wrong. This is why my life is stagnant. This is why I've got so much negativity in my life, and it's because I don't have the light of the gospel in my heart. So Josiah said, I'm going to make a decree today. We're going to get rid of all the bales and all the altars, and we're going to destroy them, and we're going to restore worship back into the house of God. We're going to have revival begin in the house of God. We're going to return to righteousness. We're going to return to holiness. We're going to return to purity and loving God with a pure heart. And revival happened. Fast forward to the New Testament church. They changed cities, regions were changed in the first century with the Roman Empire. One of the most dev- huge, one of the most awful empires ever in history was the Roman Empire. But the early church was able to change and see a great revival. And look what we have in Acts 4.13. It says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they had realized and understood that they were unschooled and ordinary men. But they were astonished And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. (laughs) Do you notice that? Peter and John, they weren't very educated. And there's nothing wrong with education. And I'm not certainly not bashing education because God gets no glory in being ignorant neither. Come on, amen. I believe in in education. But the point is here is that God can use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. But the common denominator has to be this. They took note that these men had been spending some time with Jesus. Did you see that? You can tell when people are spending time with Jesus. And you can tell when people ain't spending no time with Jesus. Don't elbow that person next to you. I can tell when I need to spend more time with Jesus. Because if you don't, you got the night of the living dead coming back to life. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. You know when it's coming. And when you spend time with Jesus, this is how you get on fire. This is how you get get on fire for God is you spend time at the feet of God. You spend time at the feet of Jesus and, and you spend time with him in his prayer. If you would just spend five minutes a day in the word, 10 minutes a day, 15, let that grow. If you've got, you know, all kind of craziness going on in your home and, and you can't even settle down, it's weather's changing. I'm sure it's starting to take off and the busy life has already hit. If you're not careful, it's going to be August and you're about to lose your ever-loving mind. Why? Because you need to stop and sit silent in his presence and connect to the Spirit of God. 
Come on. You need to, what, what do I need to do with my house? Let's You understand? We're about to kill each other. I mean, everybody's possessed, even the dogs. I know what you mean. I got one. We call him Legion, for there are many. This dog is insane, I tell you what. But I tell, you know what we do? You know what you do? You turn on some worship music in that house. You, you, you get in the presence of God. I don't care if you're on your way to work and you get into your car. you got to spend time in his presence. That's right. I want the light to shine. I want, I want to be used of God. Then you've got to spend time with Jesus and get the darkness out of your life. And the only way the darkness comes out of your life is not just by listening the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. But I tell you what, you need to meditate on the word of God. Speak the word out as you read it. Memorize the word of God. Discipling some, some, I tell this to new Christians everywhere. I'm down at Life Challenge, I was down there Wednesday again and got to minister down there and been able to make a relationship with some of them that's coming out of drugs and alcohol and have been cleaning. They're graduating. And man, I, they're inviting me to the graduation, just want me to be there for them. I said, man, I, I would love to be there. Watch you graduate from one year being clean and sober uh, by the power and the presence of God. And, but I said, what, what's your secret? How, how are you doing, man? I mean, these guys come off meth, man. These guys come off. Straight up heroin addictions, man. Guys have OD'd. It's just, it's just. You're gonna hear their testimonies next. Make sure you're here next Sunday. Come on, you gotta bring a friend with you. We'll pack that whole property out in Jesus' name. Bring them. This is better. This is. You need to bring them. And I said, how do, how'd you do it? He said, it's something simple. It's just spending time doing my devos, devotions. He said, it's just simply sitting at the feet of Jesus and let Jesus change me. Why? Because light dispels. Darkness. Then he moves in verse 16, the text goes to talk about the searching. He says, this is God speaking. God wondered that there was no intercessor. We're looking at God saying, God, won't you do something? It's getting dark, man. I mean, you can't even do this. Every time you turn around, you have this. You, every commercial has this now. Every sitcom has this now. We got, every time you turn, it's this. And I know it's crazy. God, why don't you do something? God's in heaven saying, I already did something. I sent my son to die for you. I sent the Holy Spirit to empower you. I sent my Bible that have survived over 2,000 years to fill you with the right ways. I'm waiting for you. Arise and shine. Turn the light on. Come on, somebody. He said he's searching for a man. What is an intercessor? An intercessor is someone who stands in the gap. You see, there's a gap between man and God. There's a major disconnect <laughs> between God and man. It's called the gap. Ezekiel says, I looked for a man that would stand in the gap between the living and the dead like Moses did. Stand in the gap and say, I will speak up and I will stand for truth. Look at 2 Chronicles. He says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In other words, God's looking throughout the earth saying, Who can I find? And I'm not looking for perfection. I'm not looking for a degree in theology. I'm not looking for someone that's memorized 66 books of the Bible. Although all that is great. He says, I just look for one person that has a heart that is loyal to me. You may not get everything right, but if you would just give me your heart, if you would just fix your heart on me, I can use you. Six of you got excited on that. That's all he's looking for is a loyal. God is looking for someone who's got a loyal heart. He says, God, man... And, you know, when you got a loyal heart, even if you're like Peter and you've stumbled somewhere, you get right back up. It's okay. I'm, I'm a, why? Because your heart is loyal to God. Number two, 
Why does he do this? Because light, this is the second thing light does. Light shows the way. Light shows the way. When it's dark out, you love seeing them lights. I used to work on, at the marina out on the, on the Detroit River. Man, when it gets dark out on the river, it gets dark. And if it's a cloudy night, man, it is just pitch black. You're just rocking in, in the water. But thank God when you see the buoys, lit, the lit buoys, you can see, oh, those are channel markers. They've got lighthouses out there. And those, why, they're, they're showing the way. That's exactly what light is supposed to do. And now I want to bring a little application with how we are to arise and shine because this is so important, especially for the church to hear. For years, we have thought arise and shine means to run over and shine the light in somebody's face and say, well, you're living in darkness. But I want you to know that's why it doesn't work. How come I'm not winning no one to the Lord? I'm shining darkness all in their face. That's why it's not working. The light is meant to be shined at the path. Look what David said. Your word is a a lamp to my feet. Your light and a light unto my path. That's what light was always, that's what we're supposed to do. When we say arise and shine, we're meant to let our, we're called to be salt of the earth, to be a city on a hill, to be the light of the world. What does salt do? Salt makes things better. You can barbecue this weekend. Put a little salt on it if you can. Amen. What's that going to do? That's going to bring out the flavor. We're supposed to be making things better. I said, we're supposed to be making things better. You see this in Jesus' ministry. Everywhere he went, he made things better. He was the light. Of course, he was the light of the world, but watch how he ministered to people. He would walk along. He would eat, eat with sinners. The problem is with a lot of church people is you don't know enough sinners. Get to know some sinners. Get to know some unsaved people. Deliberately, I, hang, I love being the chaplain for our Van Buren Township. I hang out with these guys. And, and talk with these people and criminals and everything else. And I'm getting more and more involved. And I find out that not everybody talks like I talk at church here on Sunday. And you know what it does? It does so good to me. And sometimes they'll go, I'm sorry, preacher. You know, sorry, pastor. And they'll say, I don't say sorry to me. You know, side of me goes, God hears you and he's going to burn you. No, no. I'm like, I'm like, hey, man, talk. Man, God loves you. He's got a plan. I let my light shine. What about correcting them? Listen, you, that's what Jesus before you correct. Did you get that? That's what Jesus did. You see, Jesus went all the way out of his way and met with a woman at the well. <laughs> I had to look at the clock because that's my story. I love the woman at the well. I'm not a woman and I've never drawn water out of a well, but that story gets me every time. <laughs> Why? Because that's what Jesus did for me. Went all the way out of his way. Look what he did. He, he already knew she's been in and out of relationships and being divorced, especially in the ancient culture, was a no-no. She went through it five times and was living with no Look at that story. And it's the longest conversation that we have recorded about Jesus and another person. And that other person is a woman who we don't even have her name who was divorced five times. I mean, I want you to pay attention to the context. Why did we have, why did John say, whatever I write, I got to make sure I include this story? Because he said it's important. I want my people to see that's how you be the light of the world. He sat down with her. He waited at 12 noon for her. He went out of his way to meet with her. And he even was hanging around with some disciples who I believe weren't at that level yet. That's why he sent them into the city. That's what I believe. I personally believe. He said, what I'm about to do, sometimes when you're on an assignment from God, you don't need to include everybody in your assignment. Sometimes you don't got to tell everybody what God's telling you. Sometimes you don't got to share with everybody what God's put into your heart. Because some of them can't handle it. 
So Jesus said, I got to send you into the city. Go in there and get some five guys. Because I got an assignment here to let my light shine. Think of, look at that story. He went and he sat at the well. And he looked at her and he said, I'm thirsty. God in the flesh saying, he's thirsty. What's he doing? He's saying, we got something in common. He, you got to go down. He had to come down to that level. People, oh, you need to stand for right, righteousness. Before you take a stand, you got to take a knee. I preached that before years ago at a youth camp. Before you take a stand, I use Daniel. Daniel's another one. Look what Daniel turned the whole Babylonian kingdom over to righteousness. How? By saying, watch my life for 10 days. Watch my life for 10 days. We don't drink that kind of drink. We don't eat food that's been offered to idols. We are going to live righteous and holy because we've got absolutes in our life. And he's 18 years old. And he's in Babylonian. They took his name. They took his culture. They took his religion. They took his food. But they didn't take his faith and his standards out of his heart. Hear me this morning. Daniel chapter 1, it says, because Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself against God. He had that standard in his heart. He prayed three times. He's, that's him being at the presence of God. We've got to quit listening to all this crazy stuff in our culture and quit getting that thing feeding us. You've got to be able to decipher between entertainment and truth. And Daniel turned the kingdom upside down. On and on and on, because light shows the way. When you get that flashlight, I was going to bring a flashlight with me. No one shines it in your face, except for the police. <laughs> and that's to calm you down. Don't ask me how I know that, but anyway. <laughs> because you, you're like, Ugh! it gets you to calm down. But when you want to show somebody the way, you point. It's power goes out. These emergency exits stay lit. Why? It's to show you the way. And we have an inspector that comes in every year and he checks this to make sure this. He don't care, I don't care what kind of music you play. I don't care what kind of dress code you have. I don't care what kind of things you do here at church. But I'm responsible for this building if I'm going to let you be in my city. This is what the fire marshal and them say. So I got to make sure you've got the most important thing working. And that is you've got to shine the light on how to get in and out of this place. Can I tell you, in the kingdom of heaven, God doesn't care about what style of music or what you wear on Sunday or if you've got King James or, or NIV. I mean, we have certain favorites, but that is not what makes heaven celebrate. The Bible says the only thing that makes a celebration happen in heaven is when one sinner repents of his sins. One sinner. Come on, give him praise this morning. That's the only thing that causes a celebration in heaven is when one person Turns to Jesus. That's what light does. Light shines on the path. We are to show people the way. Hey, man, this is the way. Get that relationship with them. And when Jesus was sitting with her, then after they had a conversation, and then he was like, she was like, um, wow, I mean, you must be. A... Then he came to the correction part. Once when they had that connection, once they were talking, then he was like, here, let me show you what you've been doing wrong. And then it's up to them. You shine the path. It's up to them to follow or not. And love on them. Pray for them. The prodigal son, his dad was at home, man, just being dad, continuing with his home, continuing with his life. And the son knew that when he went home, it was going to be the same way that he left. I appreciate Chuck Willis that was out yesterday for our men's 
morning breakfast, he taught on the six principles of being a biblical man. I wish that could have been CNN News here, Fox News, NBN, Double MC, WOK here, every news network you can think of because they needed to hear that message. Six qualities of being a biblical man. Well, We don't even know what being a man is anymore today in our culture. You got a TV? I'm looking at that going, what? <laughs> what is a man? You know, deer hunting and eating the heart of a deer? I mean, that's not really a man either. How about being faithful to your wife and raising your kids in the house of God and, and being a man after God's own heart and watching your kids worship you, watch you worship God? And those, are, those are qualities of what, what a manhood is about. More to come on Father's Day. You don't want to miss it. But light shows the way. And then chapter 60, verse 1, bring it in to a close. He says, arise and shine. This is descending. Why? Does he choose light? What does light do that is the most impactful for darkness? And it's this. Light recovers lost things. Light recovers lost things. Jesus told a parable. It was a teaching in Luke chapter 15 of a woman who had a coin, had ten coins. She lost one of her coins and she lost it in the house. Meaning you can be in the right place but still be lost. You can be listening to me preach today and not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can sit up here and watch me and listen to this message on your podcast or CD or however else. And, be in, and wow, that's pretty good. I love some of those points. Really good stuff. But still be filled with darkness in your heart. You know it. I know it. God knows it. I'm not judging you. I'm telling you with love. Listen, God wants to drive that darkness out of your life. He wants to drive it out of your heart. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. He's got a calling for your life. You are called to be the church. You are called to make a difference in the world. Talking about starting with not tomorrow because we're all off. Talking about Tuesday. Talking about Wednesday. Talking about Thursday. What You are called to do. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. It's with love. Light. First thing she did when she lost one of those coins. Why did God say coins? Because coin is something that's valuable. Can I tell you how valuable you are to God? How valuable you are to God? God sent his only son to die for you. If you would have been the only person on planet earth, you've heard it before, but hear it again. He would have sent Jesus just for you. You're not an accident. I don't care how you were born or if you were planned or however you got here. If you've got blood in your your veins and breath in your lungs. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You're a divine plan person of God that's put on this earth for a reason. I'm telling you today. And the quicker you receive that and the quicker you accept that, then the light will come on. You can have that flashlight and go, yeah, I know what it's for, but I don't know what it's for. You got to understand how someone's got to walk over and say, this is how you turn it on. Boom. If you don't know your purpose, you will destroy yourself. If you don't know your purpose, you're going to be headed for destruction. Be headed for destruction. That song just came into my mind. <laughs> Little kids up in the toddler room and then the rising tide. Just ask Kim after service today if any kids was trying to put a Hot Wheel in the other kid's mouth. Guarantee it. Why? Because a Hot Wheel, they don't know the purpose of a Hot Wheel. They don't know the purpose of a car. And there's a, it's funny when you're two, but when you're 30 and you're shoving things in your arms and shoving things in your body, why? Because you don't know your purpose. You don't know your value. You don't know who you are. Yeah. 
when you find out that you're valuable and that you're put on planet Earth more than just to drive a truck or make deliveries or make auto parts or look at a computer or be an engineer or a designer or a teacher, whatever your career, that's your career. That's not your calling. Your calling is to let your light shine. This isn't just something we do on Sundays. That's religion. If that's all we do, then you, you are a religious person. I'm not. Don't call. Don't insult me. I am not a religious person. Jesus never came to start a religion on planet Earth. He never came. Please hear me on the podcast. Jesus is not a religious man. The only people he did shine the light in their face, the only people that Jesus was mean to were the religious community. Why? Because they had the flashlight and they weren't using it right. They were turning around, shining it in people's face. Jesus looked at them and said, what you doing? He deliberately would eat without washing his hands. He, I love Jesus. He would deliberately just wear some pants just to get... He would deliberately do that. <laughs> Not here. Amen. He would deliberately do stuff. He knew to wash hands before you ate. He knew the law. He is the law. They came early. And one time it gets me, the Bible's hilarious. I'm telling you what. The Bible says they were going through the cornfields, picking grain and eating. And the, some of the disciples were there, or some of the Pharisees were there, and found fault because they weren't washing their hands. Okay, did you picture that? They're in a cornfield, walking through the cornfield. Jesus is getting from one destination to another, and they're hungry, so they grab some corn. The Pharisees are in there, too. <laughs> come on, come. they got the phylacteries. Can you picture them on their head? They're in the corn, sitting them in the head. They're following with their big robes. They're all hot because they're uncomfortable. Why? Because religion's uncomfortable. Religious will make you look dumb and everything else if you get out of the will of God. They're in the cornfield following Jesus. And look, he did. And, aha! We caught him. He didn't wash his hands. The Bible's hilarious. If you think the Bible's boring, you're boring. The reason why Jesus did that is because he, they made their tradition more important than their calling and their assignment. You've got a job. I hope everybody here has a job. God gave Adam a job before he gave him a woman. That's just in the Bible. Okay, take it up with God. If you want to be blessed, get a job. If you want to be real blessed, my dad would say, get two jobs. It's that simple. If you really want to see God in your finances, learn to give. Learn to put him first. But, 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 <laughs> I know. It takes faith. God says, let me have that 10%. I can do more with your 90 than you can do with your 100. But it takes faith. If not, it's going to go... I liked when he was talking about the cornfield. <laughs> Trying to tell you how to really get into the presence of God and let God say, man, I want to help you. Invite me into every area of your life. If you're going to keep me reserved for Sunday, then we're just going to do the Sunday thing. You're not going to have a change in your life. If you want to see change in your life, then let the light in. Let me in your heart, man. Quit putting me in a category. People ask me, what are you, a pastor, when they introduce me as a chaplain? The first thing they say, oh, so what religion are you? I said, I, I avoid that question on purpose. And I go right around. I said, man, it's all about knowing Jesus, man. Jesus changed my life 22 years ago. When I really get into it, I tell him, I was addicted to drugs and alcohol, depressed, suicidal, messed up, in and out of the legal system. I was a joke. I was messed up. But the light of Jesus Christ came into my life and changed my life forever. And then it hits him. What does? The power of the gospel hits him. You'll never have that if you don't have absolutes in your life. I'm preaching better than you're amen and me at 930. 
How do you get that light? Get some absolutes in your life. We may disagree on what to barbecue this weekend. You may disagree on when Jesus is coming back. I don't know who the Antichrist is. I don't, and I don't care. You know what? Because I'm going to live for Jesus. If he comes today, I'm ready. If he comes in another lifetime, I'm going to die ready. I've done made up my mind. Light recovers darkness. I want to, let's all stand. Because if not, I'll keep preaching. And I've got to save some for another service. Pray for 1130. Sir, God's doing some amazing things in our church, people. There are people getting saved at 1130. He's blessed. It's like the 930. Look, let's look at this church on Memorial Weekend. It's just amazing what God is doing. People are getting saved. People are getting touched by God. Pentecost Sunday's coming. I want everybody to get filled with the Holy Ghost. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, begin to seek him now. You don't wait for that Sunday to start. But this is what I want you to say. River of Life, we don't have three or four pastors. I want you to hear it like this. We've got two to three hundred pastors. We have two to three hundred ministers. Look at the person next to you and say, you're a minister. Isaac, Zechariah, you're ministers. You're called to take your light into your world. I can't go into your world and bring my light. They'll arrest me. <laughs> Literally. I can't. I was going to say, I can't touch. Anyway, I can't. You're called to do that. Yvonne, you know that. Joe, you know, we all know that. You are ministers to carry your light everywhere you go. I, I am ordaining every one of you. I don't know why I just did that, but I did. <laughs> Good to see my cousin Josh here. Brother, you are an ordained minister in Jesus' name. You and Alicia. Good to have you with us this morning. Always good to see my family here. Noah, you're ordained. You're even wearing the right shirt. You get what I'm saying? He, he didn't say a rise and shine Jewish people in the 18th dynasty. He didn't say a rise and shine. I will, no, he says in the last days when it's dark. When it's dark, when people are thinking Christianity is just fought, fading away. He said, in those last days, I always wait. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and of sons and daughters, male and female, Jew and Gentile. I'm going to fill you with my light. I'm going to fill you with my presence. And you're going to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Come on, give him some praise today. He is good. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our hands to the Lord right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. You have called us to be light. Hallelujah. You have called us to be light. Hallelujah. You have called us to be light. We worship you. We worship you in this place. Turn our lights on, oh God. Some of you, I don't know, your light might be fading, and it's, I want to encourage you. Spend more time in the presence of God. But Pastor Ray, I got this going on. I got sickness. I got dysfunction in my family. I got this. Listen, listen. Turn the light on. Just turn the light on. Start with that. Start with that. Don't be afraid of what the culture is seeing, man. I'm telling you what, there is a revival that's been happening across the globe. And I pray it comes to America once again. We're experiencing a great revival here. We're starting to see and hear and watch miracles. It's, it's just a little trickling, a little here and there. I'm wanting it to be open the floodgates. Oh, God, open the floodgates of heaven in this place. In Jesus' name. Let our lights shine before you, Father. Even over this weekend, I pray. 
in Jesus' name. We're going to sing. we got plenty of time. We're going to sing one more song. Up if you, and like we do at the end of every service, I'm going to call my altar team workers up. You guys come on up. If you need prayer today, I want you to come on up and get some prayer. I've already talked with some of you. You're going to go see a doctor this week. you got something going on in your life. I want you to come up and get some prayer today. These guys will agree with you. They will pray with you on whatever you got going on in your life. If you need to give your life to Jesus Christ today, I want to encourage you to go ahead and give your life and come on up and, and pray. And they will pray with you to give your life to Jesus today. The rest of us, can we just lift our hands and just worship? Come on and let's just let that light just shine. Let's just spend a few minutes in his presence right now. But if you need prayer, come on up and get some prayer today as we sing. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.